as, as we've gone through this series, I think we've seen quite a few times that Jesus does things that we don't expect. And guess what? We're going to see the, that again uh, today, uh, but in a different way. Um, today we're going to be looking at a way he does something not uh, different in the sense that uh, that Jesus did things that people didn't expect of the Messiah. You know, that people thought that the Messiah was going to be a man who came politically and, and set up an empire. And Am I not on? I'm not on. I'm on. I'm on. Green light, right here. <laughs> not my bad. So, uh, Jesus surprised a lot of, a lot of ways. People just had this preconceived idea of what uh, the Messiah was supposed to be. Well, he always challenges that. But what we're, we're going to be looking at is that sometimes, that if, as we look at it, and we've come to expect certain things that Jesus did, things and ways that Jesus challenged, we come to expect a certain thing from Jesus, and Jesus says, I'm going to surprise you again, because I'm not going to do what you expect me to do based on my ministry. I'm going to surprise you yet again. What I mean is that, that we come to expect a Jesus that challenges everything. We come to expect the, the Jesus that flips tables, and we come to expect the Jesus that says no. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you that, that I, I don't always challenge everything. He said, oh, Jesus, but I thought you challenged everything. Not always. Not if it doesn't need to be challenged, in other words. And, and, and so Jesus didn't just come to upend everything. Jesus wasn't just the anti-establishment. Right? Whatever the establishment says, I'm the opposite. And we're going to look at, at three things. And, and one of the things that Jesus does is he respects that's what we're going to be looking at, three ways that Jesus respects. We talked about Jesus challenging his own faith. And we talked about last week how it was necessary for him to do that so, so that he could establish that he's objective. Uh, I, I'm objective when I look at things. And, and here's some things that are a part of the faith that I was born into that are not right that need to be changed. But we want to qualify that this week. Uh, when we think of challenging something, we, we a lot of times think of disrespect, and there's a good reason for that, because challenging things can get there. Um, there was a, a, you know, when people try to talk, uh, establish an identity, we'll hear the phrase irreverent, right? Uh, like irreverent humor, or... Um, that, that's the, the phrase I hear a lot of. And it, it means basically um, this is a type of humor that, that you might not expect. These are, I go a little bit outside the borders of, of what is expected. I have irreverent humor. I, I, I make fun of you know, standards or, or certain things. and um, I like to shock people with my humor. That, that's kind of what that means. I don't follow tradition. I don't do what's expected of me. Right? And so as, as people look at, 
Jesus' ministry, they think his, uh, his theme song was, I did it my way. You know, that, that's Jesus' theme song. But in contrast to that expectation, Jesus respected some things. And I want to look at and begin in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And we're going to begin in verse 15. He says, They brought to him also infants to him that he might touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. Actually, they they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and says, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will by no means enter into it. And so the first thing he respects is he respects children in his ministry. Now, you said, well, that's natural. Well, maybe that's natural for us. But as we read this story, it was obviously not natural in that culture because his own disciples... Say, whoa, what are you doing? Get the children out of here. There was not a long time ago in our country that children were seen and not heard. The idea of respecting children and and having them as a, a viable part of a society, not, you know, in the wings off to the to the edge of society. That's, that's, that's all new. This idea of children goes back a long time. So, so Jesus is challenging a, a cultural thing. But while he's challenging a culture, he is respecting something. And I think that's important for us to, to notice. He's respectful It may be just that the Bible has civilized us over the centuries, and that's why that has has become a cultural thing. But we've now come to the point in society, I suppose, where where it's a little bit different, where where it's swung a little bit too far, where where the children are respected so much that they're now the authorities in the home. And I think, well, it does... What does the child want? We've now reached a point in our society where the children don't have to ask permission for things. Like important things, like what gender they are. The teachers, no, you're you're a parent. You don't need to know this stuff. Oh, my my, uh, teenage daughter just had an abortion. You don't need to know that. It's not important for you to know. You're just the parent. We've come to a point in society where the children have a little bit too much authority in the home. In Halifax, uh, Virginia, when, when all the education went to virtual, there about a year and a half ago, teachers within that county were 
punishing children if their parents monitored the classroom, or the, the virtual classroom. Like, oh, really? You I mean I as a parent don't have the right to know what's being educated with my... Too much. No, you're the, you're the parent. Uh, so so a, ch- a, a child can have a little bit too much sway in culture. The apostles had this mindset the other way. Now, why might they have had this view? As we're looking at Jesus' ministry, I suppose it could just be because that's the way they viewed children as, as you know, kind of not really important in society. But I, I can imagine why there was other reasons why they had thought of that. Here, here's Jesus, and Jesus is this important ministry, and, and, uh, and he's got all these things he has to get accomplished. And it's really important for adults. I mean, think about the society. That, that labor is pretty much all physical labor. That's, that's the way your society runs. And, and these are people with and major infirmities, and, and he needs to heal them so that they can make the family operate. child doesn't contribute a whole lot to the operation of a family. The parents do. So if someone needs to be healed in the home, it needs to be the adults so they can take care of the kids. That would be the logical way, I would think. They're deserving. Adults are more deserving. I mean, they think about how much time they've spent with this infirmities. They're adults. and I mean, here's a kid. I mean, his parents can still provide for him. He's just a kid. Who's going to respond to the gospel? A child can't respond to the gospel. An adult can respond to the gospel. So, so if I was doing a ministry aimed at trying to convince people of the gospel, who am I aiming my ministry at? I'm going to aim it at adults. So I should aim the miracles at the adults who are likely to respond. So everything's logical. If I'm just looking at this from a logical perspective, the apostles' viewpoint makes sense. But Jesus says no. doesn't make sense. The purpose behind Jesus' respect of children, there's two reasons. First of all, because it's right. That's why. He doesn't need another reason. Children are people, they're not a strategy. We, 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 a lot of times, we, we boil down ministry to strategy. Well, we need to do this thing because this will be effective. Well, there's times where we need to take into account what will be effective and what's not. We have, we have language in our religious speak that shows the same mentality that the apostles said then. We look at them and say, oh, they're so backwards. But we've heard it said so many times that the children are the church of the future. Nope. They're the church right now. They're just a different age bracket. 
We place so much emphasis what happens up here. From 10 to about 10 past 11. I don't know how much I got in my notes. <laughs> when the major work of the church happens downstairs from 9 to 9.40. This is the work of the church. I agree with Tim. The focal point of our service is communion. That's what it's all wrapped around. I'm talking about the work that happens on Sunday morning. The work that happens on Sunday morning does not happen right now. This is not the major work. Children are not the major work. And Jesus says, No! Can it, Peter? Are you apostles? You don't understand the importance. If anybody wants to become one of my sons, if, if, if you want to be a, in my ministry, you've got to become like a child. That's where the stuff is. That's where the attitudes are formed. That's, that's what I'm interested in. So let them come. Because they are the example of what I'm looking for. So the first thing, it's because it's right, that's why Jesus does it. But, but there is a strategy here, I think, also. It, it's not determining what he's doing, but I, I do think that Jesus recognizes something. There's some people paying attention. Not the apostles, apparently. To Jesus' attitude. Who's paying attention to how Jesus looks at these children? Parents are looking at where Jesus' attention is. Parents notice how you talk to their kids. If their kids are an afterthought, your church is an afterthought. They're paying attention. And Jesus knows that. So be respectful. Second, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> Now, I want to keep in mind, as we look at Matthew 8, that we are just coming off of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, the, next two, the next two are, are going to be from the same chapter that we're going to look at. Jesus is coming off of the sermon where he throws everything over. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. Right? The, the, the Jesus is flipping table sermon. Bah! You've heard it said, but I say to you. Oh yeah, well you've heard it said, but I say to you. And, and this is Jesus. Anna. Just, I'm, I'm being a little bit different here. People can't handle that. We'll look at that a little bit. But Matthew chapter 8, I want to start in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying home paralyzed. He's tormented dreadfully. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Just speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, he goes. And to another, come, he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard that, he was amazed. He marveled. And he said to those who followed, 
Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not in all of Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. I want you to notice, first of all, what Jesus was intending to do. What was Jesus going to do in his ministry? He was going to, at this point, he was going to take this person, he was going to walk to their house, and he was going to heal the servant. We think of Jesus as a pretty determined guy. He kind of knows what he's doing. He kind of has an idea about his ministry. Not a lot of people tell him to do something different, and he goes, yeah, you know what, you're right. Except this guy. This guy said, no, Jesus, don't do that. Jesus like, all right. Jesus changed his ministry. He modified his ministry for this guy's preferences. Now, he didn't do anything that he shouldn't have done. He didn't avoid doing something he should do. But where preferences came into it, this guy had a preference, and Jesus was respectful of it. And that's important to me. I think people watching that, just standing back, not listening to what he's saying or all the teaching, the the ideas that he he encounters here, just watching what Jesus does. Wow. It's not all about Jesus and his ministry. It's about people. This person had a preference. And Jesus honored it. I think that's important. He could have said, this is my ministry, I'll do it the way I want. I'm coming to your house and I'm healing them. (laughs) Get out of the way. The guy couldn't have stopped them. I'm sure he would have been thankful. But for whatever reason, he just kind of, some people shy or I don't know what the deal was. Just didn't want a lot of attention brought to him. And just said, I mean, think about this. Jesus like, you know, if I go there, I'm going to get a lot more attention for doing this thing. I mean, the, the people standing there, they don't know that I've healed them from this great distance. I mean, maybe word will get out eventually. Obviously, it did. It's in the Bible. Maybe someone checked up up there later and said, hey, did that guy heal? Yeah, he went home. He was fine. Huh. But that kind of news takes a while to get out. Not everyone who was there and heard him say this is going to probably know that he did that. Jesus like, yeah, I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get the oomph out of this one. I'm gonna do it my way. So if everyone follows me, I'll I'll, I'll get the bigger reaction. That's kind of what I'm here for. Let people know the power of God. But he does it the way that this man wants. We talked last week about you know, different cultures. And how worship in, in one area, or this, uh, I should say the assembly worship in, in one area, might look different. Uh, <clears throat> the church, see, I'm trying to think, I think it's the church right before when we were looking at congregations. So I think it's the one right before we were here. One of the two. Uh, we were in Ohio. And... Um, it was. It was the one right before before here. We, we visited in the morning, and then we, we, we traveled up here. And the guy was, there was a nice church, and uh, 
older church. And the guy's like, you know, I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's like a bunch of decent-sized churches. There's a bunch of communities come from one community and uh, for church. And, you know, we just love our bluegrass music. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to be like the song leader, preacher, class teacher, everything for this church. And I don't need bluegrass music. I don't even know how. I don't even know how to sing it. I, mean, I don't think I can try. You know? That's their reference. I wasn't going to interrupt say, guess what? You know, you're doing 80s music now. You know? I, 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 like, you got to respect people's preferences, though. We talk about what it's being like in Jamaica. If I come in next, next Sunday and say, listen, we're doing Jamaican music now. You guys got to learn how to clap on the offbeat. Like, you're going to be like, no, we're not going to be doing that, right? You've got to kind of respect people's preferences. It goes beyond worship. It's kind of just an easy illustration for things. There's so many applications. Jesus says, I was a Jew to the Jew or excuse me, Paul says, I was a Jew to the Jew, a Gentile to the Gentile. I, I did things, they weren't wrong. I didn't do things that were wrong, but he's like, listen, I'm going to eat this kind of food when I'm with these kind of people. I've eaten some things in Ukraine that I do not like. I don't like caviar. He's like, oh, you ate, no, I ate the cheap stuff. This cheap caviar. It's gross. I don't know if the good stuff is good. But I know the cheap stuff ain't. They just smear that on the top of a like a potato salad or something. I've eaten it. You, you, you're there. You do it. Yeah. Katie, she, she's downstairs with the kids, but she can tell you about stuff she's eaten in Taiwan. She does not, she's not raised for that. It's a different palate. You do it. You're Jew to the Jew. You're a Gentile to the Gentile. You know, some people are shy when we talk about being baptized. Some people are shy. I just want a small group. No, we're having a big group. The Bible says witnesses. We're having the whole church there. Well, it didn't say how many witnesses. So witnesses. Respect people's preferences. There's, there's a lot of times where we respect people's preferences, don't we? And we need to do that if we're going to be effective in ministry. Not what we expect when we see Jesus come off of a, a sermon where he says, No, no, we're doing it different. And all of a sudden, Jesus is doing things the way people would do. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to read the first four. This is the first thing that happens. First thing that happens after this sermon. Chapter 1, he says, When he come down from the mountain, great multitudes were following him. I love that sermon. Oh, Jesus, what a maverick. Right? And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, 
and offer the gift that Moses required as a testimony to them. Now, remember, Jesus is a maverick. And Jesus' number one and number two opponents are who? You say it almost without spaces in the words. Pharisees, Sadducees. It's like one word. Pharisees, Sadducees. Who are the priests? The Sadducees. In debating, and when you get into debating, you don't really the, the the way to win a debate is to not allow your opponent to have any premise that he's trying to establish. You've got to be opposite literally everything he says. He could say the the, the sky is blue. You've got to oppose the sky is blue. You don't. The, the, the psychological thing is you don't want him to have any leverage in any discussion because you start to give him the, the floor and you let him edge you out of the discussion. So you try to challenge everything he says. Watch any like political debate. This is just how political debates go. Dead is bad. No, it's good. Whatever the argument is, someone's got to oppose it. And so we've just gone through a sermon where he says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And he's constantly, this sermon is aimed at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's who this is aimed at, their traditions and everything they've said. You have heard it said by these guys right there. They were there listening. They, they followed Jesus around to keep tabs on them. You have heard it said by those guys right there, this. But I'm telling you something different. He comes off of the mountain, heals somebody, and says what? Go to the Sadducees and get approval. You know how hard that is? For someone in a ministry to to confirm the authority of your opponent? That's like undoing everything he just said. Wait, Jesus, I just thought you just said that these guys are completely wrong on everything. No, I didn't say that. But the temptation is, I don't want to confirm them because then it's like I've got a, I've given up ground that I have to retake. Kind of a mentality. But Jesus respects authority. Proper authority He never confirmed the wrong things, but he said, offer the sacrifice that Moses commands. Guess what? On this thing, guess guess what Moses commanded? A sacrifice which had to be brought to the priests. It just happens to be that the priests have the ideas over here that we're challenging in this area, but they're still the priests. And I might not like everything they say. I might disagree with them on a lot of things, there's still the authority. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. We do a lot of talking about authority, don't we? We don't like our authority sometimes. I don't like everything that's happened from authority. It is still my authority. I'm not going to supersede Jesus 
who respected authorities that he had a major problem with as God of the universe and still respected authority. People are watching. Because when you're a maverick constantly, it becomes disrespect. People don't respect disrespect. That's just kind of how that works. They think it's funny and cute for a while. They won't respect it. And that's important for us to, to know where the line is between, and Jesus knew exactly where the line was, between this is not a right behavior, this is not a right thing to approve, but they're still in authority. I noticed a change on bumper stickers recently. I noticed a lot of cars that used to have the word resist on them don't have that bumper sticker anymore. That changed sometime last year, a year before. All those resist bumper stickers kind of got peeled off. Right? The fact is they should have never been there. God's not into that. God is not into us challenging the authority. He says, authority, all that authority comes down from me, eventually. All authority is given by God, right? All of that, all of that goes eventually up different chains, up different avenues, family authority, government authority, work authority. All authority is an idea that comes from God, and it all goes back to God eventually. And so, my respect for authority is my respect for God. I do not have to affirm the things that God doesn't like. It's not necessary, and Jesus didn't. Now, what is Jesus showing when he does this miracle? He's showing confidence in himself. He doesn't have to oppose everything the Sadducees say for the sake of his ministry. He knows where he's right. He can... Don't go to the priests. Hey, listen, I've healed you. I know you're okay. You don't have to show yourself to the priest. He could have said that. What, do you think I don't know that you're healthy? See, all that that was was for, like, quarantine and... Uh, circle the dots or whatever and draw a mark and make sure that you don't you know, that, that's, that's for the comfort of everybody listen, I know I've healed you the God of the universe has healed you, you're healed no for the protocols and for what Moses required do this it shows confidence in your ministry I don't have to oppose everything I just need to oppose what God is not happy with. While we are busy challenging things, as we've talked about, challenging the things that need to be challenged, there's a lot of those in in society, aren't there? There's a lot of that. We, We talk about a lot of that. So many of our sermons are devoted to the things that Christians need to be against. 
that it can come across as though we're saying that Christians need to be against everything. And we want to make sure that in the process of being opposed to the cultural things that, that God despises, that we're not just opposed to everybody who's outside of this building. Not everything is evil. And people are looking at the way we react. If we are disrespectful as a general disposition, people will react accordingly. In our ministry, how are we being perceived? Not, not that we do what we do simply for the strategy of our perception. But it's a good indication of where we're at. Well, if everybody loves me, that's a problem. That, that, that probably means I, I don't stand for much at all. But if I have the general disposition that, that people think I'm disrespectful of everything, that, that's not a good thing either. I'm limiting the message that I'm trying to bring by virtue of the fact that people just... People just think of being anti-whatever. So, so I want to leave you with that moderation of, of what we've been talking about. To be respectful, whether it be our government, to, to pay attention to the, to the elements of society that people think are, are insignificant, children, a lot of times, we, but not exclusively of children. Maybe just people who get lost in the, in the shuffle of things. And, and to make sure that we're being respectful of, of people's preferences as we try to bring the gospel to them. Go to 10. 444.